Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andes, Season 9, Episode 9. My name is Andy Balin and this is... Andy Cockerill. And the thing that we're going to talk about this evening is... It's a movie and it's called In the Earth. In the Earth. And knowing absolutely nothing about it except the title, okay. um, I'm going to give you a full review. Okay. This is a... Um, it's a nature... It's a, a mockumentary of a, a nature program about, obviously, stuff under the earth. Um, but it's like, you know, like nature, like worms and stuff. But as the uh, show goes on, it gets more and more, like, supernatural. Basically, it becomes clear that there is something in the earth. Um, and I won't spoil it beyond that, beyond to say, you know, it's... Is terrifying. Hmm. That's that's kind of close <laughs> to where we are. Okay. Kind of close, but before we get into that, uh-huh. we have some any any other business. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I'm sure that listener has heard that um, that singer, entertainer, and actor Meatloaf has died. Yes. At quite a young age, um, of something unspecified, but I'm. What I'm hearing, what I've been hearing today, is that it was COVID-related. Oh dear, which is sad. Um, but let's just have a quick run through. So, so born in 1971 in Texas, um, became a singer quite early on. Is that to Mr. Played, and Mrs. Loaf? Yes, presumably. Yes, uh, and apparently he got his name when his father looked at him as a newborn, and he was bright red, <laughs> and he said, "He looks like a meatloaf." Really. <laughs> Now, whether that's true yeah, like or not, fully admit. or whether that's just like, you know, he told a different story to whoever, for whoever was listening about what his name is based on. Um, it doesn't really matter. Um, played, in, played in various bands. Um, he went. He was involved in the touring production of Hair, the musical Hair, which is infamous okay. and famous. Infamous for what? For, uh, for having full frontal nudity on stage. Oh, right. Talking At a time of, when that was surprising. Surprising, uh, lots of talk of yeah sexual right. conduct and um, and for its time, um, very um, sort of right on in terms of gender politics right. here. So I think even yeah. these days, it's probably got power to push buttons for pe- people who you know to raise your hair. Yeah, exactly. Um, he was then involved in. He got cast as Eddie in the Rocky Horror Show, in the stage version of the Rocky Horror Show. Okay. Eddie, who is the motorcycle, um, who is the part of the experiment to make the perfect man that Frankenfurter is. Uh, anyway, if you haven't seen the Rocky Horror I Show... I don't think I've seen it. You've never seen it's it? It's a okay. terrible crime. So he, play, he plays a character called Eddie in that, on mm-hmm. the stage. He was then cast as the same character in the movie version. Right. So that did that launch the, his career? Yes, I didn't kind of. Yeah. I, 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 so okay. it came to the attention of Jim Steinman, producer and writer, um, and starred in a musical, a now forgotten musical by Jim Steinman mm-hmm. that nobody can remember. Mm-hmm. And it was that that got them involved in Batter of Hell. So that was the next thing that he did, which is an album that basically propelled him to what would what we'd now consider to be just mega stardom. And that's, that's an album of songs. Yes, right, right, right. yes, yeah. Uh, production of which I could accurately say is quite similar to um, 80s producer Trevor Horn, who produced people like Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Grace Jones, in terms of, right. this is missing something. I know, let's throw the kitchen sink at this <laughs> yeah, thing and see what it sounds Why don't we like. try just more? <laughs> It's just more of everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, I think that album, notable for the virtuoso playing on the album, as well as his three-octave range vocals, right. which are quite incredible. I mean, he gives it um, some welly, doesn't he? He really does give it some welly, yeah. I think I think probably one of the most distinctive rock voices right, 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 in that right. you could hear maybe a couple of notes and say, yeah, I know exactly who that is. Right. He's got such a distinctive voice. Famous for, um, um, of course, being the doorman in um, uh, Wayne's World. And being very funny in that scene as well. Yeah. He was a, he was a solid actor, Meatloaf. Yeah. He could... Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, just as a 
as a dotted line to that, there are there are two members of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band who play on some of the tracks on Bat Out of Hell. Right. So uh, pianist, uh, keyboard player uh, Roy Bittan and um, drummer Max Weinberger both play on the title track on a couple of other tracks. Right. Uh, were they session musicians? that's what or? gives them... Yeah, yeah. They, they would um, do jobbing stuff right. outside well, of basically, the street. So they got, like, the best session musicians. The absolute. What right. I would consider to be... Well, I think the E Street Band is one of the one of the strongest bands right. ever, you know, in terms of virtuoso playing. And that really comes through on the album. You know, it's not just fantastic vocals, but, like, the backup on it is really strong. Right, right. And that's what makes it a great album. Um, he then had issues with drink and drugs and food and really ruined his voice touring as well. Right. And there was a follow-up called Midnight of the Lost and Found, which was a massive flop. Fell out with Jim Steinman in a big way. He was in a bad way, but then they got back together again. He he sort of fixed his voice, he sorted his life out, and they produced the follow-up, which was called Bat Out of Hell. Was it called Bat Out of Hell 2 or something like that? Really? Um, and, and on Try that is the, is the single um, I Would Do Anything for Love but oh, I right. won't do that right, 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 right. Uh, which launched a thousand memes in which <laughs> it said things that Meatloaf would do for love <laughs> and things that he won't do right, right, right. <laughs> he won't do that um, um, so they, I think they then produced a third Bat Out of Hell album of which I have not I'm not really familiar Okay, but I think so. If you've only uh, heard of, of the, the Bat Out of Hell album, that's because it's actually I think that's fine. Actually, yeah. three albums. He actually puts in a really solid performance in David Fincher's Fight Club as a character called yeah. Robert Paulson. Yeah, he's good. He's one of the people at the support group. His name is and Robert he's really Paulson. Good. His name is Robert Paulson. Yeah, <laughs> really good in that. Uh, I think that's the last thing I remember seeing him in, which was quite a while ago now. 1999 that was right so over 20 years ago right and still a household name uh, yeah and lots of yeah. lots of plays of his music yes and i was i was i read a little bit of an interview with his touring bass player so that he put together a band to tour bat mm-hmm. out of hell mm-hmm. um and this bass player was talking about what a lovely guy he was but also how emotional he was and how he would absolutely let you know if he didn't like something, right. which I can imagine <laughs> would be the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he would also let you know if he loved something, but he yeah. would, those things were equal. So, right. you know, he wouldn't hold back right, right, in right, either right, right. direction. So you always knew where you stood with, with Meatloaf, right. which I think is a good thing. So anyway, Meatloaf, we will miss him, I think. I mean, I think his best days were behind him, but that album, Bat Out of Hell, I think will live forever because I think it's timeless stuff. It's big. It's in the public it's consciousness. Big. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we go. Um, shall I crack on with the film? Crack on. Crack away. Okay, so In the Earth, directed by Ben Wheatley, a returning director right. for this podcast. What did he direct? So the last thing we talked about that he directed was a movie called High Rise. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which was some time ago now. Yeah. I'm thinking hmm, maybe four or five years ago. Maybe yes. maybe the first one of the first movies we did on the pod was High Rise. Wow, was that only four or five years ago? Yeah, I think so. We've been doing this since 2015. Right. Um, that could be so actually maybe, seven years Maybe ago. more than that. It's now 2022 now. I, so. I think, yeah, I think... I. <laughs> I, I I appear to have just started forgetting things that we do more recently, but I remember High Rise. I don't remember I don't remember when we did it, but I do know that we did yeah. do it because I went to see it at the cinema. Right, right, and right. Really enjoyed it. So, um, and that was an unusual one for Ben Wheatley because typically he's a I'm going to write this movie with my partner Amy Jump, who's his wife and writing partner and also producing partner. Going to write this going to cobble together a bit of a budget and then go and shoot it and then release it. Uh-huh. Um, so he's he's typically, I'd say, a low-budget filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, but he makes very good use of everything that he's got. Mm-hmm. You know, it nev- Nothing ever looks low-budget. It mm-hmm. looks mm-hmm. fantastic. But High Rise, I think, was, um, you know, had a a very strong cast and it was, I thought it was a really great adaptation of, of a very difficult yeah. source material. Yeah, very tricky source. From a weird book, basically. Yeah, 
definitely. So this is um, this is back in original uh, material territory for him, um, written and directed by him, and it's starring Joel Fry, who I recognise, but I. I don't know. If, I can't remember if I've seen him in anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reese Shearsmith, uh, probably most famous for being in a show called The League of Gentlemen. Right, yeah. And also more recently in a show called Inside Number Nine, which yeah. is an anthology show that both, I haven't seen, both, but I've heard is very good. Both of those. Too weird for me to watch. Right. I love The League of didn't Gentlemen. Get it. Didn't get it. Right. Um, Hayley Squires, who most recently I have seen in a Channel 4 show called Adult Material, which is very hard-hitting look at the adult entertainment industry. Right. I feel like I've, I'm have i semi-aware of that, but I don't think I've watched it. Okay. Maybe uh, you've talked about it. That's very good. She was also... Yeah, I think I, I think I talked about it when it was on, that we were watching it and we were enjoying it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She was also in Ken Loach's movie I, Daniel Blake. Right, yeah. As a woman basically at the end of her tether in terms of having no money to feed her children. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very good in that. Uh, John Hollingworth and Mark Monero. So short, very small cast on this one. Right, this was right, right. shot... So that's everyone, isn't it? <clears throat> uh, that's everybody, yeah. Right. It was shot in uh, August 2020. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, shot in August 2020 so in a lull, at the height a of COVID the pandemic. Uh, I think it must have been a COVID lull, although I would say that most of this movie is shot outdoors. Right. So right. They, I guess they managed to um, to deal with that mm-hmm. in that way. But I, I think at a time when... I think in, in the summer... Things were uncertain at that time. It's yeah. been... <clears throat> at least here, the restrictions have been less. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so this is uh, this falls into two camps, uh, both of which we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, so folk horror is right. one of them, yeah, and also psychedelic horror, right. which we have covered at least once, yeah, on yeah. this pod. We've definitely covered folk horror a couple of times. Trying to remember the psychedelic horror that we talked about. Uh, the psychedelic horror was Mandy with Nick Cage, ah, Nicholas yeah, Cage, yeah. Yeah, 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 which is really quite nuts in terms of how it hangs together and folk horror you know we've done the wicker man yeah i mean yeah we've done uh, we've plenty done, of <clears throat> which we've done a couple of other things as well yeah the vovovich yeah oh is it the, the vovovich that's definitely folk horror yeah and probably um, others yeah yeah there's a couple of others as well there was the one by um gareth uh gareth evans who made no i can't remember even the name of the movie the apostle maybe Right. What about the a Netflix movie? What about the Swedish one? Is that a bit folk horror? Oh yes, Midsommar. Midsommar. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That that so is lots of full folk on horror. folk horror. Yeah, full on folk horror. <laughs> so it falls into both camps. Wicker Man is one of my favourite films. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um, so Joel Fry plays a character called Martin Lowry. He's a scientist who's sent to a government-controlled outpost located on the outskirts of Bristol. So we're in. Okay. Okay. This is, where a, I live. is this all British? It's all British. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to help in the studies and experiments of his former colleague and ex-lover Olivia Wendell, uh, who is played by Haley Squires, uh, who is regarding using mycorrhiza to increase crop efficiency. Okay. And this is, um, I believe, now mycorrhiza. I'm just going to look this up. Yeah. Could you look that up on the internet? The, I'm just uh, looking it up. While the listener listens in. It's a mutual symbiotic association between a fungus and a plant. Yep. And she's been using it to try and increase crop yield. Mm-hmm. Um, he then hands off <clears throat> with Alma, who is a um, a part ranger, who can lead him to where it is. And he learns of the local legend of Parnag Feg, a woodland spirit. That's the made-up <laughs> bit. Okay, okay, okay. But that's the bit that could quite easily have come from around here somewhere in yeah. terms of, you know, the kind of things that people talk about. <laughs> so he's going. they're going to look at the fungus, but they hear about the myth. Legend. They hear about the myth. 
But they're going to check up on them because they haven't heard anything for a while. Oh, I see, I see. So they're, they're kind of out there in the field. Yes. And they're going to check on them. Okay, fine. Got it. Um, yep. So Alma informs Martin that Olivia has not been heard from in months. And the next night, Martin discovers a rash on his arm before they are assaulted by unknown assailants who steal their stuff and destroy their camp and steal their shoes. Yeah. Now, yeah, that's rude. There's a thing about, I think, if you're out in the wilderness mm-hmm. and you don't have any shoes, that is a real problem. Yes. I, I would, a real problem. I would say that's the thing, yeah. And I definitely have a thing about feet in terms Do of, you? you know, when you have, well, I think if you cut your foot, yeah. it's then very difficult to walk around. Yes. Um, and that's what happens. So he, he badly cuts his foot. Ow. They are then approached by Zach, played by uh, Reese Shearsmith. That should be ring alarm bells in anybody if you're approached in the woods by Reese Shearsmith. Um, <laughs> is, he, is he the bloke from... Uh, uh, League of Gentlemen. League of Gentlemen, yes. yes he should be yeah. concerned. He should be concerned then, yeah, definitely. Um, he's a man who's living in the woods somewhere uh-huh. who offers to lend the pair some shoes. Oh, Isn't that convenient? Yeah, that's very nice of him. Are they made of fungus? <laughs> no. He takes them to his own campsite, which is all made up of like plastic tents mm-hmm. put together. It's all very Glastonbury. <laughs> um, he disinfects and stitches Martin's wound. Right. And all of this happens on camera. So there's some cutaways, but oh. yeah, it's pretty gruey. <laughs> it's pretty like, yeah, this is where we're going with this. Um, they then begin to lose consciousness and realize that they've been drugged. Okay. Okay. With something. And while they're unconscious, Zach takes photos of them in, in strange clothes and positions and stitches a, um, a strange symbol, an animal gut, into Martin's arm. He, re- he This guy really is off the chain. He's, <laughs> he's nuts. <laughs> uh, but upon waking up, Zach describes the symbol as a mark to be seen by a presence in the woods claimed by him to have once been an ancient sorcerer and placed his essence in a standing stone somewhere in the forest. So, you know, this really is 100% man gone mad in the woods. So, hold on, what? He says it's, he says it's a mark so that you can be seen a, by... Yes, exactly. Okay. You can be seen by the, the essence of a sorcerer. Right, okay, okay. Um, however, Martin's foot becomes infected and Zach tries to... Well, he actually, he does. He very badly amputates some of his toes with a hatchet. <laughs> so there's a lot of foot stuff in this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, which is quite uh-huh. um, wincing, yeah. wince-inducing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Alma then escapes. She attacks Zach. They flee. And they are found by um, Olivia. Okay. Who's, who's around. So she's the original researcher. She's the scientist, yeah. 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 But her camp is really strange. Okay. So she's got flashing lights. Uh, she's got these weird sounds playing. Mm-hmm. And she claims to be able to communicate or at least interact with the um, this fungus in the forest. This is a bit Blair Witchy. Yeah, it definitely is, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, but with a... Yeah, I mean, actually, with a slightly... Yeah, the same amount of people. There's three people in Blair Witch, isn't there? There's four people in this. Right, right, right. But there's nobody else coming into the forest to find them. Right. Um, so uh, the next day, um, Olivia cauterizes Martin's foot again right, right, right. and <laughs> explains her project. And with Zach's help, they attempt to communicate with the presence inside the stone using the lights and noises from an electronic soundboard. Okay. It's really loud. The sound design in this is fantastic. So they're trying to talk to the sorcerer. Yeah. Shouldn't they go home? So, unab- <laughs> well, that's a problem. So the problem is, is that the the fungus, when they try and leave, the fungus sends out millions and millions of tiny little spores uh-huh. that then basically drug them and they can't go any further. So okay. they can't leave. Okay. They can't leave okay. at all. Okay, okay, okay. So they try and talk to the sorcerer. Um, Using, yeah, using exactly. Yeah. Well-designed sound. So the next next morning, Olivia's sight is surrounded by this thick mist containing the spores. Mm-hmm. They're all trapped. Mm-hmm. 
Alma tries to get through the mist in a hazmat suit, but the spores make it through mm-hmm. and they cause her to hallucinate. So they're kind of, it's kind of a psychedelic experience that right. you get from them. Okay. But you can't go any further. Yeah. Um, and uh, Zach arrives that night to speak with them telling, them, telling them to communicate with the standing stone using the sounds and lights, as well as to consume a sacrament a mixture of ground mushrooms alluded to in the book. I mean, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> that a man who just uh, tried to cut my foot off is now telling me to drink some mushroom juice. Yeah. So no, I don't think so. <laughs> no. So is Zach a friend? Um, well, Zach and Olivia used to work together. Okay, okay. But they have differing views about what's going on in the forest. Right. So Olivia appears to be... Uh, although she... I think is a bit nuts. She is more scientific in her approach and she does appear to be a friend. Okay, okay. In that way. Whereas Zach is not to be trusted. Right, right, right. And yet. So are they all going to consume the mushroom? Well, yeah. So Martin does consume the mushroom. Right. Um, Zach then ambushes Alma, prepares to sacrifice Martin. Um, Alma makes her way back to camp where she finds Olivia in her tent surrounded by more photographs of her and Zach's victims. That's pretty scary. So, okay, Um, so they've done this to other people. Yeah, definitely. They've been working together. They just haven't told people about it. Okay, okay. Which is fair enough. Okay. (laughs) Because you wouldn't want people to know that. No. Um, She then pursues Olivia back to the Standing Stone as the mist overtakes the camp. Mm -hmm. They have more visions... So Martin doesn't survive this, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um, oh, no, hang on. Uh, no, she does. Yes, he does. He does. Okay. Um, so Alma and Olivia find themselves far from the stone, broken out from their trances. And Olivia, overcome with awe, collapses on the ground. And Alma then approaches, awaking Martin by the stone and speaking with a distorted voice which is, I think, supposed to be the voice of the forest or the voice of the sorcerer. Uh She offers to guide him out of the woods. (laughs) And that's the end. That's that's, that's the movie. That um, is quite Blair Witch then, right? Like, even the end It is is definitely Blair Witchy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So what I really enjoyed about this was the lean, the leanness of it all. Right. So it's very direct in its storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's got really good performances. Mm -hmm. Like, the sound design and the visuals are really strong. <clears throat> um, the performances are fantastic. Mm-hmm. The the VFX, uh, so like the physical stuff with his foot and mm-hmm. um, other other stuff where, um, where Elmer attacks Zach, mm-hmm. and uh, it yeah, like like the VFX are really strong, right, really strong. Um, it is a. I mean, it belongs in our time in terms of because in the move in this movie they talk about a pandemic, right? They don't talk about what pandemic it is, but mm-hmm. they do talk mm-hmm. about a pandemic, um, and I suppose they do that to explain the fact that there's hardly anybody around, right? Um, you know, it's, uh, the 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 um the center where Martin arrives at to meet um, Alma. There's like only two other people there. So it's very quiet. Right, right. This is like a, a woodland centre or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, when, okay. Before they before they carry on. Right. Um but I th- I I thought this was great. It's um it is yeah, it's it's a nice crossover between folk horror and psychedelic horror. Right, right, right. I mean it's the kind of thing where if you describe the plot it doesn't really do it justice, right? Because the it's all about like being it's yeah. not really about the plot, it's about kind of experiencing the I think um, creepy forest. I think I would have really enjoyed seeing this in a cinema. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can like the, the sound design and the visuals are very, very effective. Mm-hmm. I watched it at home, mm-hmm. and it was good at home. Mm-hmm. But I think it would really benefit from that from a big sound system mm. in the cinema, uh, because the sounds that uh, that um, Olivia plays to the forest are really loud mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and weird. Right. Really strange. So here's here's the question. Yes. Is there some meaning behind this? Is it about like our relationship with nature or Oh definitely, yeah. Something like that. I think I think there's some there's some strong stuff going on here about the way that we interact with nature. Right. Um <clears throat> and you know, let's talk about 
the pandemic, that mm-hmm. is a classic example of the way that humans interact with nature and how that has led to us being where we are now. Right, right. So what do you think it's saying uh, about how we interact with nature? Just that we generally have an unhealthy relationship? I think we have a very unhealthy relationship with it, yeah. But is that what uh, it may be saying? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Right, that we just uh, find it scary. Olivia, but it yeah, is scary. Olivia is, is trying to... I suppose redress that balance by trying to communicate with it. Okay, okay. <coughs> and at the end of the movie, maybe she succeeds. So it's sort of a relationship of enmity and fear. Um, and yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's more expressing. Um, it's like expressing our relationship with nature. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so the score is is by Clint Mansell, mm-hmm. who's worked on a lot of stuff. Uh, former member of a band called Pop Will Eat Itself. Ah, yeah. If you remember them. I do. Yeah. yeah. So he was their singer and sort oh. of main guy. But he's he's been a soundtrack guy for a long time now. Oh, in fact, he, he did the very f- now famous soundtrack for a film that we talk about a lot, Requiem for a Dream. Yes. That was his. Right, right, right. right. Well, that was which, a very uncomfortable um, film, so I imagine the soundtrack was very much part of that. Well, yeah, so there's a, there's a very famous refrain from that that was used in lots and lots of trailers right? subsequent to that film coming out and presumably made him a lot of money. Right. So is it completely yeah. British-made and yes. everyone British? Yes, it was all shot. I'm trying to see where it was shot, actually. Um, Must be any number of woods that would be suitable. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I can't see actually. No, it doesn't say. Production information is very slight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he actually announced in September 2020, he announced that he had written, directed a horror film over the course of 15 days in August 2020. Right. So, yeah, he just said, oh, yeah, I've made this. Written and, <laughs> and directed. These people are in it. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote it in 15 days as well as shooting it. Yeah, no, no, he... Um, yeah, actually, maybe he did, yeah, he wrote <laughs> it. I mean, this is how fast he normally works, but okay. I think... Um, Cheap. I, I heard him talking about this uh, on an Empire Empire Magazine spoiler special podcast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in which he said, you know, they asked, they asked him, so, you know, what was the driving force behind this? And, and he said, well... It was pandemic um, anxiety. I just had to do something. Right, right, right. I had to get out and do something, and this seemed like the perfect way to exercise that right. anxiety. Just express the anxiety. It's to put some people through the ringer <laughs> and talk about our relationship with nature. Right, right, right. Uh, which is poor, I think. Um, didn't make a lot of money, so $1.1 million at the box office. Was it? Did it get a general release, or...? It did get a release at the cinema. Right. Um, although I think at that time cinemas were closed. So it definitely well, went they to streaming. Popular, at least, yeah. Um, yeah, it had its premiere at the. at Toronto. Yeah, sorry, I'm just going to wind back. Uh, yeah. No, no, Sundance. In, on the 29th of January 2021. Right, right, right. right, right. <clears throat> so almost a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, but it w- was re- finally released in the United States in on the sixteenth of April, twenty twenty one. So it took took a long time to get to cinema. So it did, but it did get. There. When did you watch it? I watched it very recently because it's now on disc. Right, so right, right, right. I, I've seen it on, on Blu ray and DVD. Um, yeah, I watched it before Christmas. Right, right, right. And yeah, really enjoyed it. So you know, I think this it. Um, Probably didn't get seen by many people, mm-hmm. but it is now out now available on Blu-ray and DVD, and is definitely worth a watch. Nice, and it's, remind me what it's called. In the Earth. In the Earth. In the Earth. In the Earth. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it sounds well worth watching. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you're defo, defo. absolutely your type of thing. Oh, it's 100% my kind of thing. <laughs> I think it was actually, I watched it with my wife and my eldest son. Mm-hmm. And I think it was more my thing than theirs. Yeah, I can honest. imagine. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, my son likes horror. Uh-huh. But I think, um, you know, I've been showing him like really good stuff like the 
it movies mm-hmm. the stephen king adaptations mm-hmm. things like alien mm-hmm. um stuff like that and this was i think a bit weird for him right to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah so have i already asked you when i can show my daughter alien uh y- oh no you asked me when can i show my daughter the evil dead yeah the dead 2 yeah and we watched the trailer when we were at your house, and we it's, both said, yeah, "Not no. yet, not yet, no, not Maybe yet." Alien? Although it is a fifteen, oh, but Alien is terrifying. Alien is, that, is a fifteen. Alien though? is also a fifteen, but it's yeah. terrifying. I don't think I can do that to her. She would love I th- it. I think you probably can. <laughs> I think you probably can because if you look at the difference between Alien and Evil Dead Two, mm-hmm. although Evil Dead Two has every shade of blood you want as long as it's not red. Mm-hmm. And um, it is plainly like comedy horror. People get smacked around yeah. and knocked around. It's funny, but it's... It's very scary. funny. Um, but but also I think the tone of Evil Dead 2 is is like... It's like full-on tone, isn't it? For oh, 90 yeah. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think Alien is a lot more slow-moving. Yeah, but it's terrifying. It is scary. And there's the thing think, bursting out of the like chest. That. Yeah, the chest burster scene is... I mean, I, st- I still get tense watching that, and I've seen it so many times yeah, now. I, I don't think I could put her through that. Like, you know, Train to Busan is not sufficient training to watch Alien. Um, she really enjoyed okay. Train to Busan, listener. So, um, I mean, Train to Busan's quite gruey. Yeah. but It's, it's quite gruey. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was pretty, pretty uh, unwise of me to show that to her, but she absolutely loved it. Well, there you go. I think I think she could handle Alien, because let's face it, the chestburster scene is the is the most gruey thing in that movie. Oh, Sorry, listeners, that's a massive spoiler. Well, because all the other, yeah, I think at this is, point it came out in is you know, nineteen seventy nine. Okay. Um, yeah. So what I need is I need a staircase that takes me from. Train to Busan to Alien. Right, right. I don't want to go there in one step. Um, what could you oh yeah, What could you watch that's in between those? <sighs> I don't know. Um, something else classic or something more recent? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was wondering about A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I mean, actually that's... Yeah, but there's some quite gruey stuff in that as well. Yeah. I think that might be an 18, actually, Nightmare on Elm Street. Really? It's not yeah. as scary as Alien, though. What about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? That's got no blood in it at all. It's just really intense. Isn't it quite boring? <laughs> no, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's an amazing film. Yeah, it might be a bit boring. No, it's not boring. No, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I mean, I recently learned that the director, Toby Hooper, wanted to get a PG... 13 rating so right. he put no blood in it at all right did he get a pg-13 rating no of course not <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it basically satisfies all of the rules of that right, they, right, right. they still said no too sorry scary. You can't it's just the title isn't it? it's too can't. scary yeah yeah um yeah i should guess i should um, look at our greatest horror movies of the 20th century list and see well what. yes if you need to look at a list yeah that's the one <laughs> obviously don't go for the exorcist no. Because that's an 18. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of those will be 18s, won't they? Yes. Teen Wolf, maybe. Yeah. Is that just Teen two 80s? fun. She's sort of into the what 80s, ab- though, so... Hey, what about American Werewolf in London? Ah, uh, that's what I meant. I think that's what I meant. Yeah, American Werewolf in okay. London. They're very different movies. <laughs> yeah, Teen yeah, yeah. Wolf. <laughs> American Werewolf in London is what I meant. Yeah, that that yeah. um, that is a genuine idea, that is. So I think that's a good. that would be a good start, because... It's got great practical effects. It's funny. It's fast moving. Um, it's got actually, although it's got a um, very chaste love scene in a shower. If you can handle that, you might have to go and leave the room for that one. <laughs> yeah, because um, it's that. embarrassing to be with your children whilst there's that kind of thing going on. Um, uh, but apart from that, it's a great movie. Yeah, that's a good choice. Right. Are you looking at the list now? I'm scrolling backwards towards the list ah. through many, ah, okay. many podcasts. I don't know how far back I've got to go. Oh, it's a long way. Yeah. Um, we did that in like 2018, I think. Maybe 2017. 
No, right. 2018. I'm going. I'm going back. <clears throat> yeah. I've just come past Mandy Glass. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is on our 30, 30 movies list. Uh, there's the fl- oh no, not the fly. No, that's yeah, probably not the fly. No. So my I've got my top ten here on. So this must be yes. soon after. Yeah. So my top ten from ten to one were Psycho, American Werewolf in London. Blair Witch Project, The Omen, mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street, Evil Dead 2, The Exorcist, The Wicker Man, Dawn of the Dead, Alien. So can I show no. her Dawn of the Dead? Which one? The old one. Yeah. Is that an 18? I don't know. Shall I have a look? Shall yeah, I, shall I look you, look, you look something up on the internet. I've been doing it for okay. ages. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead. Uh, 19, yeah, Romero. I think it might still be an 18. I think it probably so, is an 18, isn't it? Uh, but is it the kind of thing that ought to have been reclassified at this point? Yeah, probably. It's quite old now, isn't it? I've told her about Dawn of the Dead. She likes the idea of it. Yeah, it's still an 18. Right. And so is the remake. Also right, an 18. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, you're, so you're... Yeah. Your top 30... I tried to show them Gremlins at one point. They weren't into it. That's a shame, because I love Gremlins. Then you've got Near Dark, Altered States, Hellraiser, The Blair Witch Project, Jacob's Ladder, Nosferatu, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Wicker Man, Carrie. There you go. Yeah, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Right. You could go right back to the original 1950s Uh, version I think she'd be bored of that as well. That's a shame. Silence of the Lambs? That might be a 15. uh, Yeah, let's have a look. Audition, let's say no. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Ring I'm going to say no to that too Psycho Why is that? The Ring 15 Silence of the Lambs Right uh, Silence of the Lambs might be, might be I think that's a good one because it's got um, well it's got uh, you know some fantastic performances in great mm. tone It's got some foul language It's got some foul language It's got some very strong sexual references in it Yeah uh, Some gore uh, but yeah. I, mean, I think actually the no, I don't. I don't think there's stuff that's in that that's stronger than the chestburster in Alien. No, but we don't want stuff stronger. We want stuff you significantly weaker. So I'm thinking about the bit where he beats the guy to death <laughs> right. in the cage. Right, right, uh, right. And you don't see the guy getting beaten, but you see blood spraying on his face, which is right. Quite, oh, I think I'd feel yeah. bad if I made her watch <clears> that. Um, but she might want to watch it. The Fly, Event Horizon, American Werewolf in London, Sixth Sense. The Omen, Don't Look Now, The Haunting, Rosemary's Baby, Evil Dead 2, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Night of the Living Dead, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Ooh. Okay. I mean, there's some, the thing is, there's some quite slow-burning movies here. Like, Rosemary's Baby is amazing. Yeah, that, there's no way she would sit through five minutes of Rosemary's Baby. It's far too boring. Too boring. It's got to be fast-moving. Nightmare on Elm Street, The Thing, The Shining, Alien, The Exorcist. So... Out of that list, mm. I think American Werewolf in London is on both our lists. Yeah, yeah I think that's a good one. And yeah. I think you should go for that. She's into the 80s. and Is it 80s? It's that kind yes. of thing. Oh, yeah, resolutely 80s, yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, <clears throat> all right, we found it, we found it. American Werewolf okay. in London. Thank you. Cool, nice one. I need to find um, where you can watch that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, shall I talk about what I've been watching recently? Go for it. So, we finished... Uh, we finished a series called Show Trial, which mm-hmm. was on, on the BBC, which was mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. If a little slow moving, but it was very good. Right. Uh, we've just started another BBC show called The North Water. Okay. Which is a, a show all about the whaling industry in the 1820s, I think. Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> with Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. Playing a lead role on TV uh, as a harpooner, basically. Okay. And he is just incredible. Right. Yeah, just incredible. So, yeah, very good. So that that's an intriguing. Well, it's got a good cast actually. It's Colin Farrell, it's Jack O'Connell, and it's um, oh no, it's it slipped my mind. I'll come back. Um. Yeah. Very good. Very strong. That. So we started watching that. We finished watching Only Murders in the Building, which is a Disney Plus oh. show 
that was good. Uh, so I've been watching, oh no, I've watched one episode of a BBC thing, which sounds like it's a similar plot, I think. To what? Only Murders in the Building. Oh, really? Well, I don't know. Like, the BBC thing, the BBC thing I've been watching, it's set somewhere a bit up north, and it's about a company. Like, Only Murders in the Building is about a company, right? No, it's about um, three folks in a building who think that somebody's been murdered, so they start a podcast to um, try okay. and figure it's out. It's completely it different. Okay. There's <laughs> nothing like it. So I've been watching, I've watched this one episode of this thing, which I might watch some more of, where about a, a company where a, a new HR person's come in, so she's like our protagonist. Um, oh. And okay. Is this the thing with Maxine Peake in it? There's is people that, being, about? being weird. Okay. And acting all traumatised, and something awful's happened in the past. Right. And you can't tell. And the, someone someone died recently, and then, you know, it's all going to trace back to what what awful things happened in the past. Right. And they're all trying to cover it up or something. Hmm. Um, so Are you good? It's, it's, it was pretty well made, but I was a bit like, this is going to be depressing. Right. You know, I felt like it's going to be, I don't know, eight episodes or however many episodes of just like awful things gradually getting revealed and then at the end it's like yeah everyone's terrible <laughs> oh dear okay <laughs> so, so you, so you yeah. might not carry on with it I might not carry on with it <clears throat> yeah i tell you what I have okay. been watching and loving and that is I know I'm very late to the party but I've been watching yeah. Afterlife ah okay yeah Um, by what's his name Ricky Gervais Ricky Gervais and uh, uh, you know I think sometimes some of the programs he's made, there's been some sort of patchy form. Like he made The Office, which is wonderful. I thought Extras was very good. And then Extras, like it didn't, like it was quite good, but it didn't have the the kind of extremeness of The Office, like of like right, right. It was more of a straightforward sitcom. Yeah, it was it, just yeah, it was just a kind of amusing program. Yeah. And they made some With other some things that I, people in. yeah. They made some other things that I didn't really like the look of. That I haven't watched, which maybe they're better than I think. I watched a bit of the one where they were theatrical agents, him right. and Stephen Merchant, which I didn't like at all. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then he made <laughs> Afterlife, which it, it seems to be like a, a love project of his. Like I don't, yeah, I don't definitely. know, but yeah. I mean, it just it like. I remembered why I liked The Office so much because it had this authenticity about it that was just yeah. um, like way beyond what you needed to make that program, right? It's like it, the authenticity was just dialed up to the absolute maximum when you could have just made a program that was really good that didn't have that that complete faithfulness to the truth kind of thing. And uh, in Afterlife, it's applied in a very different way um, and he plays a character who's much more sympathetic, even though he's very abrasive. But, oh boy, I was, I mean, I cried a lot of tears. I finished all three yeah. seasons pretty quickly. And, <coughs> well, they're yeah, very many, short episodes as yeah, well. So you can many tears were quickly. shed throughout through those three series. And I would say that all three were, were really good. We've just started season three. Right, right, right. right, right. So we've, we've watched the first two episodes, but I remember... Season two really, yeah, really hit me quite hard, actually, season two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both season one and two did, but I thought season two just built on the characters yeah. of the first season. Yeah, and, I And, you know... <clears throat> when I started watching season two, I was like, what are they going to do with this? You know, it's like, it's kind of resolved. And then immediately, within five minutes... You realise like, it's not resolved. You're, you're thinking, well, obviously, like, he's not like over it now <laughs> like you know he's a, <laughs> no. he's a real person and you know and it, you know it just it, instead of it like often you get season two it's like ah oh, they found that clever way of making it carry on and yes. in this it was like okay yeah this is actually realistic and that's why there's more to the story than just the nice neat ending of season one yeah i don't want to spoil anything for for oh, listener because i think amazing. listener needs to see this cold frankly but um, the stuff with his dad in season two is the yeah. stuff that is really. Yeah. I mean, you can see it coming from a long way, yeah. right? But even but you know it's coming. There's nothing you can do about it. It's it's going to happen, and it does. And it's 
it's very powerful. It's amazing. So if listener knows nothing at all about it, 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 it deals with um, grieving for someone who's died, and it deals with it so sensitively. Like, you can't believe you, you're saying that about Ricky Gervais, but it deals with it so sensitively, so honestly, and yeah. with so much really laugh-out-loud humour. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. And uh, it got a lot of very positive feedback from you know people who've been through the same kind of thing mm, mm, just mm. said you know this this talks about the experience in such an honest way and doesn't yeah. sugarcoat it um yeah. yeah well actually it was actually mentioned i'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's right um by a guest we had on the on my other podcast uh who came on to talk about um a, a harrowing devastating story of his son dying right yeah. um and uh, I've just released the episode yesterday. Okay. Um, it's called uh, Andy on Unconditional Love for God. You can find that right. in, on the Justice Warriors <clears throat> podcast. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a tough listen, let me tell you. But, um, yeah, he, he mentioned it as a thing that was, that connected with him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great show. Uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Oh, the usual. Uh, so the pottery show on Channel Four, right? Pottery right, right. Throwdown, right? Uh, which remains ridiculous because they have a man on there who cries a lot when he <laughs> sees lovely pottery. <laughs> so me and my wife just have a have a sweepstake on how many times he's going to cry in each show. <laughs> I accidentally caught a few seconds of that the other day, but I didn't. It wasn't I mean, enough it, to hook me. They've got a very strong group of people this year. Right, right, right. We've been um, we've been yeah. speaking of um, reality shows. We've been really enjoying "Sort Out Your Life." Oh, I've not heard of that. Um, which is a program where they go along to someone's house who has too much clutter, like it's complete chaos. Okay. And they can't even get in some rooms and stuff like that. They take everything out of the house and put it in a warehouse, and then they make them choose like what you're going to keep, what you're going to. Um, recycle or whatever. But can they say, oh, I want to keep everything? No. <laughs> Put it back in their and house. Then, and then they sort out their house and they got like a, a bloke who builds shelves and stuff like that. Wow. Um, and they make their house all nice and they put back just, you know, the right amount of stuff and they make it all nice and stuff. Can they come to our house and do that? And it's it's surprisingly entertaining. I bet um, it is. And it was, the last one we watched was very moving as a lady who's uh, like suffering from like a nerve injury. Right. Um, and so, like, getting around is difficult, and like, she was tripping over all the stuff and things like that. And right. uh, when they sorted out her house and made like stuff more accessible for her and all kinds of things like that, it was uh, it was very sweet and and moving. Um, it's, it's surprisingly good. It's got it's got I've forgotten her name, but it's got a lady who was like in X Factor or something like that. Okay, who comes across as a complete. Um, lightweight intellectually and then actually it shows enormous emotional intelligence dealing with people okay. who've obviously got quite complicated yeah. lives that often end up in this situation so what um, you need for a show like that she yeah. shows quite a lot of depth that i i yeah. admit i wasn't anticipating so I was, nice. <laughs> i've been humbled by it it's cool that sounds good and what what channel is this on um bbc bbc sort, sort out your life. life sort out your life right okay uh, so just one more thing to talk about that's coming up that I can think of um, is there's a um, TV show called Pam and Tommy uh-huh. which is on Disney Plus it's not it hasn't started yet I think it starts this week maybe next week which is all about um, Pam, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee and oh, wow. the infamous the now maybe probably largely forgotten but at the time the the very infamous sex tape that got made public Oh, right. By a and disgruntled is... um, electrician who found it and thought, well, they haven't paid their bill, so I'm going to make this stuff <laughs> public on the internet. So this was probably um, one of the first of that kind yeah. of thing that happened, is it? Absolutely, yeah, right. yeah. Right. So there's a, a TV show with uh, Lily James and Sebastian Stan uh, playing the two, playing the couple, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which has had very good previews. So oh, right. um, that looks, sounds really interesting. Right. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. That's cool. Yeah. I don't think I've been watching anything else. Do you have anything to plug? 
Uh, oh, good question. I don't think so, no. I'm. Uh, did I say I was working on a Secret Santa thing? I'm still working on a Secret Santa thing. Okay, yes, you did say that last it's, time. It's yes. not released. I'll let you know when it's released. But, you know, no hurry. Okay. It's not... It, it's not, it's not. Most people are not doing Secret Santa at this time of year. Right. No, it's a bit... It's the wrong time of year. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to check my wife's blog. Because she's got a blog. Oh, wow. Cockerill, it's called Cockerill Art. Uh-huh. Um, so go and check it out, listener. And you shall find I, it. How would I find it? Uh, you need to look it up on the internet. So let me... Um, Can I search for Cockerill Art? I'm just going to find the actual link, actually. Uh, although I think... Did we put it on the last... Yeah, I, I definitely yeah, meant we to. Did, didn't we? Yeah, I'm let's, sure you did. Yeah, you did. did. You did. You did put it on the last part. Oh, yeah. good. But anyway, it's still there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if listener cares, cares too, they can go and check it out. Uh, but I have nothing else to to plug. No, I think what we put on the, the last one was the Society Six link. Oh, okay. we haven't put a link to the blog, so we'll oh, put okay. a link to the blog in this this episode. Okay, that's cool. Now let's do that. Uh, rather than me looking through it, I can <laughs> do that to you after we finish recording this. Awesome. <laughs> well, listener, we, at this point, um, we've probably wasted enough of your time. Indeed. Well, we've given you some idea about things to watch, and definitely check out In the Earth. It's great. In the Earth. Yes. Thanks very much. See you next time. Oh, hang on. Oh, one, one more, more thing. thing. I watched. We watched the first episode of Toast of Tinseltown, which is a show right. I've been, which was very entertaining. Oh, good. You were looking forward to that last time. Yeah. Yes, that's on the BBC. So I think that all all episodes are available now. Cool, cool. So, there we go. That's it. Thank you. That's that is it. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See you Goodbye. next time. Bye. Yeah.